Hi. What's up? How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Sup? I feel uh, very refreshed cool. uh, after uh, Hack Day's Shopify. Um, Ooh, I, yeah. So, like, you, you disappeared from Twitter for, like, two days, and then you came back saying, hey, Hack Day's. Basically, yeah. What? Is it, like, over the weekend or something? No, no, no. It was uh, dur during the week, uh, Thursday, Friday. Um, but basically, it's, like, two days where we can get to have the time, the opportunity to do whatever we want. So I was sort of leading this project uh, that was an idea of mine hmm. um, and had built like this big team of 12 people um, from like different offices and a bunch of people that were new-ish to Shopify and it was their first hike days. Um, so I was trying to like give them the best experience possible. And it honestly was so much fun. Like we hacked for, like till really late on Thursday, uh, but it was well worth it and it was a lot of fun. So uh, really happy with what we ended up with. We did win, but hey, it was fun. We're part of the, the uh, finalists, so. Okay, so you went to, to the podium, like? Yeah, I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no podium really, <laughs> but. Um, you should, basically there's an idea for a hack. Yeah, <laughs> well, but basically the way it works, uh, since we're in multiple offices, Each office presents the projects within that office, uh, and then people vote on their favorite projects. Uh, and the ones that sort of people like the most uh, get to go on to the finals. Um, and in the finals, you uh, basically present and live stream in front of the whole company, and then there's a, a panel of judges uh, from each office uh, that sort of then decides which, which one is going to be the winner. So, Sounds like fun. Yeah, that was really cool. Really enjoyed it. Cool. So uh, I think we have some follow-up from last week. Uh, kind of. Yeah. So <laughs> like last week, uh, one of my recommendations was this uh, macOS, uh, macOS app <laughs> called Gadget. Uh, actually, you misspelled it in the show notes. It's gadget without a D. Oh. <laughs> Everyone knows a gadget. Um, and, you know, it's a utility for your Google Analytics. It lives on the Today widget thingy, the, the right sidebar. Yep. Um, and actually, like, we also kind of briefly made fun, like, lightly <laughs> of the fact that just now they released a new version that supports Sierra and all. And I said, well, he's probably like a like a one developer shop or something. But um, I actually knew this, but at the time I completely forgot. This is actually an app made by a designer. And if you if you go to the to the website, we can put a link in the show notes. Uh, he also wrote like a full Medium post. I think it's I think it's on Medium. <laughs> is that like that's the new name of the type of post? A Medium post. <laughs> um, he post <laughs> he wrote a Medium post saying how he went from being a designer to have a, an app on the App Store in was it like four months or six months? I should do my homework. Uh, I haven't seen this <laughs> article, so <laughs> I can't help you. Oh wait, here the uh, read the full story. Uh, real time follow up four months. <laughs> Boom. So yeah, I mean, honestly, like making a Mac app is really hard. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So the designer slash developer slash creator is called, here we go, uh, Zoltan Hosu. Um, and yeah, it's always inspiring when you see stuff like this, you know, 
designers building apps should designers code and like <laughs> it's pretty great you guys should um should read that medium actually it's, it's on medium just real time follow-up uh <laughs> should read that it's pretty pretty awesome yeah the, the whole idea and basically i think it was <sighs> i read this a long time ago uh homework uh I, he started this with just like a script or like in the web so he didn't build like this web view and then he was like hey if i'm going through all this trouble why don't i just build an actual app right so he did cool that's awesome and he uh, when, he, when he started the project i think um swift was not out yet and so he started writing it in objective c or i should say learning objective c and i think it was pretty hard and he kind of gave up but then briefly after swift uh, was announced and then he started on that and i think it's it, it was way easier for him so I can vouch for that. Uh, I wrote uh, Break the Safe was I wrote it in Swift, and I also tried to learn um, Objective C a couple times prior to that. And yeah, I mean, if you haven't tried iOS development in a while or macOS, whatever Apple development in a while, and you tried back in the old days of Objective C, give Swift a chance because it's it's way easier, it's way more accessible. Are you writing um, photo edit on Swift? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I like. I can't speak more highly of Swift as a language. It's just so good. Uh, it works exactly the way my brain works, which is awesome. Uh, it's just super fun to to write in. So yeah, totally highly recommend Swift. Um, speaking of Medium, have you seen uh, the new thing they released uh, recently? Like the series thing. Oh, that they the called? the Medium stories. <laughs> Basically, yeah. What do you think about that? To be honest, I haven't given too much uh, attention. I, I, I only read like the introductory post. Right. <laughs> uh, read it on my Mac. <laughs> so, um, wow. Yeah, isn't it like basically instead of having just a full written, like a, a thousand word post, uh, is like optimized for reading on a smartphone, I would say, a mobile device. And then you, instead of just dumping a bunch of text you add a bunch of um photos and media that it's optimized for browsing in mobile is that fair kind of yeah um the way i see it, it it's almost like uh, ma you're making an an ebook mm. and so you basically you have like one page at a time and you can sort of do whatever you want on that page so either you have text or you have like a gif or you have an image uh and then people just like tap 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 um, and then they can read through your story. Um, so there's no scrolling involved here. Um, <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, but there's also no no like time delay, right? Because so if you're in Instagram stories or something or Snapchat, the stories will like automatically advance. This does not. So you basically control like when you want to see the next screen. And I guess like one thing that they're trying to do with this is also have people follow a series. So that uh, the idea is that like series are ongoing, and so each time like the person updates the series, you get like a <laughs> notification or something like that. I don't know. I'm just imagining a bunch of phones being triggered. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> a bunch of series. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like I don't see like what it it's supposed to be doing differently than just a normal medium post, like. Maybe it's just a format that's slightly different, but even that is not that much. Instead of scrolling, you're just tapping. So, 
What do they call it? Medium what? Medium series. <laughs> I feel like they they tried really hard not to call it stories. Okay, so real time. Yeah. It's not follow up really, but if you Google medium series, it's going to give you medium the TV show series. Oh. <laughs> and then you keep sc- scrolling and scrolling and have the cast and medium TV series on Wikipedia, medium TV series and then Medium season one, Rotten Tomatoes, um, medium series. Got it. Product Hunt. Whoa, so Product Hunt and the Wired article came before the official blog post. I'm just trying to like to, to see a series, a story. Is this live yet? Yeah, it is. Uh, you can only see it in the app, though. Oh, god it's, damn it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen any like super interesting piece of content in there yet. That's interesting. Uh, following up. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, this is for follow up. Yep. All right, before we get to our main topic, let me tell you guys about our sponsor for this week. Is once again UX Pin. Uh, UX Pin is the best design platform for agile UX teams. So UX Pin is this product that lives in the browser, and it allows product teams to collaborate across the entire uh, design development process. What this is going to do is is going to get rid of any possible miscommunication between the design and development team. How do they do this? Uh, they offer simple prototyping. Uh, they offer free flow documentation, which is pretty great if you ever like have to share uh, your design, your mockups, and then you have to open a GitHub issue explaining the reason behind it and all, or use like sketch uh, plugins to create documentation. That's bananas. Uh, they offer all this in the product. And they also uh, offer fast comedy on your design, so feedback is uh, pretty fast. Yeah, one feature I really like is spec mode. Spec mode feature uh, auto-generates specs for you, so you don't even have to do any work. That stuff just happens automatically when you're using UX Pin. Uh, so developers can easily look up colors, measurements, and even copy CSS directly from your designs. And I can tell you, that CSS is pretty good. <laughs> um, so UX Pin serves as a single source of truth for your designs that you can show to both your stakeholders, but also give to your developers. It takes all of the headaches and guesswork away and gives you a simple interface to manage everything for you. Boom. Uh, UXPIN, they have prepared a special deal for uh, Leia listeners. So if you guys want to try it, they are offering a week longer trial to all of you. Uh, you just have to sign up at uxpin.com slash layout. So uxpin.com slash layout. I hope you can uh, spell layout. And you really have nothing to lose here. Uh, you can import your existing uh, Sketch or Photoshop files. They have plugins for that. Uh, so you just import some of your files that you already have and move it over to uxpin, no strings attached. See it in action. Try all these features that we just mentioned. Uh, you got nothing to lose here. Um, yeah, our thanks to UX Spin for sponsoring Layout and Spec FM. Moving on. So today we are going to continue the discussion of last week. Um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, uh, we talked about the struggle that I like was going through and I was thinking between differences of being a IC, a individual contributor, like a designer and a manager, like leading a team and not being in sketch all day, basically, like the differences in what it involves. And Kevin, you 
around six months ago made the transition from IC to being a manager. Yep. Right? And then that discussion went for a while. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, and we still have more stuff to do and to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting topic that people r- rarely talk about. To me, it, seem, it seems like an interesting topic that as an IC, I was always very curious about. And that maybe like because I didn't know that much about that maybe played into sort of my fear about it and my <laughs> sort of gut reaction of, of being like, no, I don't want to be a manager. Like I want to make things. And managers just like type on on like Google Docs all day. Like this sounds boring, <laughs> um, which is like partly true, but it's also much <laughs> yeah. more rewarding that. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I thought like one of the things that we haven't covered yet that was also like very nebulous to me before I I actually became a manager was what do do managers actually do? Uh, (laughs) Because it's like you've probably like interacted with them and like maybe you have like a a design manager who's like sort of your boss, but... (laughs) design managers tend to not like sit at their desks for very long and the output of their work is also kind of hard to see. So yeah, I thought I'd speak a little bit about like what my my days are like and sort of a few kind of activities that you do as a manager. Yeah, please. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I've been... That, like dipping my toes in in the area in the field really mm-hmm. uh but i'm like i would never call myself a manager right now i've been doing some managing but <laughs> yeah please uh enlighten us wait uh, wait uh, wait who... but if you influence your manager <laughs> when you say you're also a manager <laughs> oh <laughs> all right wow Let, let's okay. avoid the slow topics <laughs> uh anyway we should use now we need to use that sound effect again Design drama. Yep. Moving along. Never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the big things uh, that I do um, that is sort of a, a recurring thing that happens every week for me is having one on ones with my reports. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, have you been at a company where you do one-on-ones before, or, or like, have you? yeah, okay, yeah. So we do a weekly one-on-one, and we do like a bi-weekly two-on-one with two founders. Huh. Interesting. So yeah, one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do them every week with everyone on my team. Um, it's usually b- between thirty minutes to an hour, and that's basically just a time for us to like catch up talk about people's like ambitions, things they want to do later. Like I want to get to know them. This is like time that is booked off and entirely for my reports. So they can tell me about anything. We can talk about like really serious stuff like imposter syndrome or like a specific issue they've been having at work. Or we can just talk about like whatever latest movie they they saw last week. Um, <laughs> that's also fine. But basically, the the reason why we do one on ones is because um, it's it's easy to get sort of lost into the day to day work and being always like super busy and like 
in the present. And the one-on-one is a, a time where we can either reflect on stuff that, that has happened or think like five years in the future. And I want to make sure that, that like my reports have like all the resources that they need to get to where they are and achieve their goals. So uh, those goals might be like pretty very like, let's say someone wants to uh, get into public speaking. Uh, well, then we'll sort of talk about that, talk about like what they're interested in. And I'll try to like help them find resources for uh, how they can get started. And maybe we're, we're going to sort of work through like a few ideas that they have or uh, it can be like talking about resolutions and like me basically like keeping them accountable for what they say that they want to do. But uh, what's interesting in, in one-on-ones is that it's you as a manager, you kind of have to let the topics happen and be comfortable with like sometimes awkward silences. Um, and you never know what's what's going to happen. Right. So um, I've had one on ones where um, I thought like everything was super, super fine. And then we started talking and then we realized that, holy crap, like my one of my reports is having like a really terrible time right now. And it's sort of on me to kind of have a discussion, trying to figure out what's going on and help them through that. Um, so, but it's, it's like definitely an interesting exercise. And like, we have this thing at Shopify that we say that one year at Shopify is like 10 years, anyone else. So another thing that I, I try to do in one-on-ones uh, is make sure to like position my reports so that they, are in a situation where they can 10x their skills. And so that might be like encouraging them to go to conferences or suggesting ways for them to uh, like improve their skills. Or if I noticed anything like during the week that I think like they could improve on, uh, it's like a, a, a place that is like not public, like everything in a, in a one-on-one is private where we can sort of talk about that uh, and see like how they can improve. Um, so yeah, one-on-ones are definitely super valuable. I love my one-on-ones. <laughs> That's interesting. I've never been on the other side of a one-on-one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you feel like, cause I personally, my one-on-ones, they are very, they're very personal. I really like go deep and try to, it's not like, it's not complaining. It's like trying to deconstruct the feeling and the problem yeah. but with the help of my, well, he's not really my manager, but anyway, with my other half of the one. <laughs> uh, so it's really that it's like me saying, all right, you know what? I've been feeling this way or yeah. I, I don't like the way X is, you know, is behaving or is conducting whatever. I don't like this or something is wrong. And then is me going just trying to deconstruct it and see exactly what is going on. Because I feel like at the end of the day, those meetings, at least for me, like the goal is to, well, first communicate, right? So if you are having problems, if you are really happy doing something, if you think everything is okay or everything is bad, like it's communicating that. So it's not just you in, you know, in that silo or communicating whatever you're feeling. And second is like trying to, coming out of those meetings with actionable items. Like, you know, it's not 
the, the meeting never ends saying, all right, so you don't like this. It's like us trying to find a way to fix it, basically. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we try to have a list of actionable items and then we try to follow up uh, on them uh, the week after. So, so I really enjoy, and yeah, sometimes like there are weeks either a, I'm just so busy that I feel like I can't focus on this right now. So they are very like, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. I really don't have even the, the mindset to tackle this right now, which is really unfortunate, but that sometimes happens. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting case, right? Cause I feel sometimes like when you feel like you don't have time for a one-on-one, it's probably like the exact moments when you should be having one-on-ones because hmm. it's like, oh, like, why are you feeling like super overwhelmed? Like, why is there suddenly a, a lot of stuff on your plate? Like as a lead, I definitely want to know, like, how can I help? Like, how can we prevent this from from happening again? So but yeah, I can totally see like that. Some weeks it's just like, well, I haven't really thought about anything and just don't have a lot to yeah. talk about. Um, and like this, uh, I mean, it happened like twice maybe right but it's like you're in this sprint you have to ship something yeah. like everything is like crushing down on you <laughs> and you're just like ah oh, i i can't i can't deal with this or like i have to work yeah <laughs> which is uh, yeah it's not healthy it's not good it's definitely a symptom of a problem but sometimes it happens yeah. and sometimes like everything is super great actually and nothing mm-hmm. is going on and i mean been a boring week like you said talk about favorite movie or something that also happens. Yeah, and I talk a lot about uh, American. Well, not being an American, but working with American people. <laughs> That's like my go-to because I'm super fascinated fascinated by that. Yeah. Either oh, way, totally. sorry, continue. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess one last thing is uh, a one-on-one should not be about like status update or like where you're at at your project or like specific design mm-hmm. feedback. No, it's more about sort of feelings and stuff that like you want to do and like things that are other than the work. You should find other times to talk specifically about the work. Um, one on one is just about the person. So do you, uh, actually my interest, uh, interest in this, do you, um, like in some one on ones, do you have something to say about like, it's not a performance review, but you know, like something to say, to your what do you call it to your reports sure report yeah <laughs> so we've never heard of that term yeah like do you have actionable items for them like you know to, not just hearing what problems he or she might have but what problems do you or the company have <laughs> yeah yeah for sure this, usually like okay. i'll try to give feedback right away so if it's mm-hmm. like something that came up during another meeting i'll like go to them and ask them like hey can we take like 10 minutes to just talk about something real quick and then give that feedback right away. Like I don't like waiting because sometimes it might be a week before like you have your, your next one-on-one, but sometimes there, there are things, um, when you're like, I know this is like, let's say you're not, you're probably not doing this intentionally, but I've noticed that you do this thing a lot. And then honestly, more often than not, people are like, Oh really? I didn't notice that. Like I didn't do do this on purpose at all. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, I know you don't, you're not doing this on purpose. So like, let's try to like figure out strategies to avoid like having that same behavior in the future or something like that. So it'll be like more like general feedback on sort of 
how they work on or like um it could be also like overall like feelings like i'll ask question around like how do you feel like your progress is going like do you feel stuck on anything and then sort of get them to also reflect on their own like achievements and how like how see how they're doing mm-hmm. on their own because most people like just don't take the time to like think about that stuff but it's important for <laughs> me that people on my team become self-aware so i try to like have them walk through like what's going on and like most of more often than not like people will realize like oh yeah i have been working on like this one like part of the screen for like four weeks now uh, <laughs> my <laughs> might be a good idea to like find a solution here uh, and like ask for help or something um yeah, it, it like it certainly goes both ways. Like I'll I'll sometimes use this to give feedback to the person, but that meeting is also like primarily for the the person that I'm having the one-on-one with. It's not for me to mm-hmm. like give like a list of tasks and be like, "Okay, here's like everything that like you're doing wrong and like <laughs> here's what I need you to do next." <laughs> like that's not what it's for. It's mm-hmm. it's really for me to listen. Uh, and help them and like you said we sort of try to make it actionable so that i i want to be held accountable uh for the stuff that we talk in a one-on-one so that like Mm -hmm. i actually do follow up on everything that we talked about a lot of people do um like write down the notes uh at the end of a one-on-one and make those shared uh with like their reports uh, I don't tend to do that because I, I take notes in my notebook. So it's mm. like nothing that's like that I don't want to share, uh, but it's just easier for me. And like retranscribing everything would take quite a while. Um, so, but yeah, it, cool. it definitely depends uh, from lead to lead. Yeah, we use Dropbox paper really. Well, for everything really in our company. But yeah, it's good to... We write everything on the same document. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah, for sure. So the next part mm. is is probably like <laughs> what most me, people see from the outside, um, and that is meetings, tons of meetings. <laughs> so yeah, this is often seen as a negative thing. Uh, it can certainly be if you like let it sort of <laughs> let more and more meetings come into your life. Um, but <laughs> then like that certainly happens. And if most of your time is spent in meetings mm-hmm. as an individual contributor, then you there's probably a problem somewhere. Uh, but at a, as a manager, meetings are kind of part of what you do. So um, one, one of the things that we've done at Shopify to sort of avoid that overload of meetings as a manager, um, is sort of this free card to walk out on any meetings that you're not interested in. <laughs> so if you're in a meeting and it's boring and it's long, just don't go to that meeting anymore. <laughs> so, and honestly, like that, that's happened for me. <laughs> Like a few meetings I, I just don't don't go to anymore because I'm not seeing value from it. Um, and like that's totally fine. Um, so, but I think like meetings can be... Don't people who set up the meeting take it personally sometimes? 
Uh, not really, because I, like, it's sometimes, like, a meeting is going to start off about, like, one thing, like, oh, hey, like, we're not super in sync with, like, this product area, like, let's all meet to sort of talk about, like, where we're at. Um, and then, like, that meeting starts off with, like, three people. Uh, and then as, like, the team grows and grows, then at the end, we're, like, 15 people. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, I probably don't need to be to be on these these meetings anymore because it's just, like, it takes forever. And also, uh, sometimes um, it's going to be a case where I can hear fr uh, from these things from my reports directly rather than hear mm -hmm. it from going to that meeting. Because um, I know I'll be talking with my report so they can update me on the stuff that's that's happening. So it's you sort of have to like think through, okay, is this like a strategic thing? Like, is it valuable for me to be there? Or is someone already attending the meeting that can sort of fill me in on the important details? Or is there another better way uh, for me to sort of get to that information? And sometimes like we also have just have a general conversation about it, right? Like. I can say, hey, I'm not like finding a lot, a lot of values in that meeting anymore. Um, have you been feeling the same? Like, am I, am I weird? If I'm the only one who's been feeling this way, I'll, I just won't attend anymore. Um, but if more people are feeling the same way, then maybe there's something we sh should do differently and we should change. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely like something that is flexible and that should, like, you should have control over. You should never feel like you're forced to be in meetings that you don't care about. But honestly, I'd say like 90% of my meetings are very productive. Um, and meetings can be exhausting, <laughs> um, especially as an introvert like I am. Um, but um, it's really cool to see like when, th when stuff is getting done and you're kind of like making progress on important issues, meetings have a lot of value. Um, so what kind of meetings am I into? Uh, I'm into a lot of like future direction and product direction meetings. So figuring out what the roadmap is based on people's ideas on the team, people's strengths, uh, the sort of growth areas that people want to expand into, seeing, okay, who am I going to put on which projects? Like what makes sense from a strategic standpoint? Syncing up with our executive team. Uh, to make sure that we're all aligned going to one direct the same direction. <laughs> Did I say one direction? Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Almost. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that stuff can be very valuable. I like I don't feel bad anymore about saying like, yeah, like I have a lot of meetings in in my days. And that's totally fine, because that's that's kind of what I do. And, and also, like, meetings are a great way for, for me to get, like, a pulse for how we're doing um, and, like, what's happening in the company. Because one of your the big roles of a manager is being able to connect the dots, being able to see, hey, there's a team in Ottawa that's working on a very similar problem to someone on my team. I should probably put this, these people in contact so they can talk to each other and figure out this problem together. So sort of being involved in in these different types of meetings is super important uh, for me. Like I have a love hate relation <laughs> with, with meetings. I mean, yeah, 
like uh, I feel the thing with meetings is, is if one single person like is not prepared or something or just trying to wing it and you know babbling his way through and just dragging it all like it's a waste of everyone's time and there's a lot of uh, you know times that when that happens like you feel like oh my god what the hell am I doing here just like it's not productive and that happens uh, actually like at right now where I'm at uh, that is very rare uh, we're, we're also very like a small team so it's easy it's easier to manage right but yeah it's this thing well you are a manager so it's it, when you're at that role it's meetings have a different purpose for you right because when you when your job is mainly to create mockups and prototypes and push pixels and code uh, you can't do that in meetings uh, when your product when you're priority is to manage a team and talk through problems and stuff like that. Yeah. You kind of do that at meetings, right? So you are invested in a different way sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> at meetings. And it's interesting because, uh, so you guys, you, you don't, you don't have um, remote um, employees, right? We have some, but it's very rare. Mm -hmm. So yeah, most people are going to be in the office mm -hmm. or in a different office. So mm -hmm. sometimes we do have to do like the Hangouts call to to talk with other people. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, I see that. Cause so at Netlify, uh, we are a team of um, 10, 15 people. We have like a third of us uh, is working remotely. And I'm like the, the the further away from San Francisco, so I'm eight hours into the future. Right. <laughs> so what we do now is we hold every meeting in the morning. Mm. Of course, like <laughs> the CEOs, they're not going to have like meetings with investors only in the morning. But, you know, every like company-wide <laughs> or important yeah, meeting, yeah. Um, that's always, always in the morning. So that means... You know, you do have a bunch, like if we do have a lot of meetings that need to be, to happen, let's all book it like in this, in a very short time span. So like, let's just do it in that block. So they're not like scattered. That's the worst thing anyone can do to me is like schedule a meeting like from six to seven and then schedule one like 8.30. So I have like this empty yeah. block of 30 minutes where I'm not going to do anything. So we're like, we're really making uh, the meeting time like very compact and you know what so if you if you set that rule to yourself uh that means that you're going to have like maximum three to four hours of meetings a day because you can't really push it to the afternoon so right so that's like really helpful that means like I even if i have a lot of meetings i know that's going to be just that one block so i can get a lot of work done before or after so that's always helpful and yeah, no, that's that's really great. Um, yeah, it's I I try to do that too and have everything like, yeah, okay, this is gonna be my meeting, uh, my my morning full meetings, and after that I'll I'll be done with it. Um, that's definitely a great tip. Yeah, I mean it's definitely not scalable. <laughs> like if you have you know hundreds of people in five different yeah, times, there's zones. always you know, gonna it, be exceptions, but, but yeah, but it, it's it's a good thing to point at. So, yes. Well, some of the meetings that we have, um, I, cause I think that's probably interesting. Um, the like general meetings we have every week, we have one, uh, that is called fresh eyes where we get, uh, talk about 
feedback on our work. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about that in the past. Um, we also have one that we call the design roundtable. Uh, and I don't remember if we talked about this one in uh, on the show. Have we? Um, by the name, it doesn't ring any bell, but maybe. Okay. So I kind of started this this meeting when I, I like a few weeks after I joined Shopify um, in Montreal. Uh, I think they were doing a, something similar in, in other offices. Um, but basically the goal of this meeting is for the entire UX team to just gather together, talk about like different things that they learned throughout the week, talk about can be news, it can be let's say someone went to a conference uh, and they want to give us like a recap on the conference. Uh, it can be uh, talks that people are working on. can be demos of something that they're proud of. Uh, could really be anything like that. And that's, I started off like basically hosting it and finding people and making sure that like we had interesting content uh, to talk about. And now we've sort of shifted more to a host model where like every week we have a different person who's hosting it and they can basically do whatever they want, right? Like they can, it can be something that is like more formal where like we're listening to talks, but it can also be like sometimes we get an external guest or we go to the museum or something, but it's really like we try to have one activity as a group uh, for the whole UX team. So that's super fun and interesting and always sort of recharges all of our like creative juices, uh, which is really cool. Sounds pretty great. So yeah, what else? Other, other things that we have uh, for projects, uh, we tend to have uh, something we call the health checks. And they're basically project re- retrospectives. I think most people are familiar with those. Mm-hmm. The problem with retrospectives is that they tend to be done at the end of a project. Um, and Hence the name. you can, yeah, it's like, well, you can learn from the mistakes that, that have happened. But most of the time, if you'd actually talked about that stuff way earlier in, in the process, you could probably course corrected and fix the, the, the problems before the project is actually done and launched. So that's what we try to do with with health checks. Uh, and it's basically, we do them, it really varies from team to team, but every, roughly every two weeks. And we just have like a set of questions and we sort of all give each other a score uh, from like one to three. And so basically it gives us like a pulse on Okay, how is the team doing? How's the project going? And also helps us like figure out a solution um, if things are not working out. So that's also like that's really cool and really important for alignment and and making sure that like we're all happy with the direction of the project is going. Um, that's I, I'd say like probably one of the other big like meetings that we tend to do for every project. That's kind of about it for meetings. Are we done with this meeting? <laughs> we we are done with <laughs> meetings. The next thing I wrote here um, is um, something that I do spend uh, some time on, like here and there. Um, so it's not like always a a constant effort, but it's recruiting. Hmm. Recruiting, obviously, super important. I want to work with awesome people 
I want to try to fill in the gaps in my team, have people from different backgrounds, different experiences. Uh, and most of these really talented people probably have a job already. Um, so what I do is, well, one, look at a lot of portfolios, uh, look at a lot of like dribble uh, pages. I rarely tend to, to read people's resume. Um, so <laughs> I'd, I'd be like kind of surprised if a lot of design managers did read uh, people's resume. I like sometimes skim it, but very rarely too. Like where you've been doesn't matter a whole lot to me, like in, in the format of a resume. Uh, I'd much rather have the person actually tell me about their experiences rather than me see that like, oh, this person has been at Facebook for for like two years. Like that doesn't tell me anything really. Um, so, yeah, I do that. I also try to find like reach out to people that I really admire and I like their work and that I would love to work with. Um, so like crafting like emails um and sort of one thing that we try to do is because like nobody wants to hear from recruiters like <laughs> we have we have really good awesome recruiters but i don't know hearing from a recruiter is like always kind of eh. um so i will go in and actually um sometimes like write personal emails to to people and tell them like exactly like hey like i really love this product that you worked on um, this part is really interesting, um, like, and sort of tell them a little bit about the team and why I'm looking for someone and why they would be a good fit. Um, so I do spend like a bit of time on that. And yeah, I guess the other part is reviewing applicants, interviewing, uh, also a big, a big thing that I do. So yeah. Uh, have you ever interviewed someone? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a w strange, weird exercise at first. Um, it, uh, but it's I don't know. We talked about it in an episode, so I don't want to like mm -hmm. go too much into it. But I think over time we've developed a process that now we really trust and that have like proven to like get us like great, awesome people and like we were const constantly like sort of evolving that process. Um, but there's also like an element of trust into um, that, that whole process. And it's never going to be like just one person who's making the call on somebody else. They're going to meet like maybe like five or six people uh, in the team. So yeah, recruiting is definitely uh, important and making sure that we have the right resources, that we have enough people for all the projects that we want to be working on over the year cool do you do you enjoy this like and how soon do you get in like do you go through the first well i assume a recruiter starts sometimes or most of the times like you said because no one wants to get an email from recruiting so it's like you get in touch you make the first contact with people yeah, well, so it really depends, right? Like, because I, I can't be <laughs> be writing emails all day um, to reach out to people. So I can't always be doing that. But when I have, I try to set aside some time every week 
um, to sort of do a couple. And so for those, I'll do the initial reach out if the person is uh, interested and like sometimes they do have like specific questions targeted at me. So if that's the case, then I'll respond directly. Uh, but if they're kind of like interested, uh, then I'll sort of pass them on to one of our recruiters uh, where they can have sort of initial chats, talk about like their life story, uh, and the recruiter can like tell them a bit more about like Shopify and what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they'll usually do that first kind of set of interviews. If everything goes well, then it'll, they'll pass it on to people on the actual team. So it might be a manager, but it can also be like individual contributors uh, that do different types of interviews with that person. Uh, and, and then we have like these feedback forms that are the same for everyone where we have to like answer spe very specific questions that help us uh, ultimately make a call on like whether or not the person is a good fit. So yeah, I do really enjoy that part. Like I love meeting new people. I love hearing about people's like ex expertise, like what was their background, what are they passionate about, that kind of stuff. Like I really, really enjoy doing that stuff. Uh, <laughs> and it was funny. I was talking to uh, to Bryn when I was in San Francisco, and I was telling him sometimes <laughs> when I'm in an interview, I feel like I have my like Brian. Uh, loving on like my shoulder and like whispering questions to me um, and sometimes I'm going to ask something I'd be like oh my gosh that's totally like <laughs> something that Brian would say um, so it's funny but um, I do tend to make my interviews a lot more like a design details episode than like a standard boring interview and my goal here is to have like an accurate picture of like who the person is but like one thing that's important for me that I try to do every time is try to find ways to or like opportunities for the person to tell me about like how the how great they are. Right. Like find like try to dig into what they're really passionate about. And I, I want them to to sort of make me feel that passion, mm -hmm. even if that's not necessarily something that I have as part of like my questionnaire or like standard set of questions that mm -hmm. I always ask. If that that person is like really amazing in motion design and I, like I don't know a ton in motion design, like we'll go into that and I'll try to like be able to ask them questions to like keep them going and and see like how they're passionate about it and how they learn about that. Um, and it's always super fun and it, it like sort of takes us into like weird tangent, but it's always like I'm looking for people that have that kind of passion. Um, and that can bring these different ideas and, and perspectives. So it's always cool to sort of do that, even though that's sort of off the beaten path of the interview. So yeah, that's kind of how we do interviews. We uh, talked a lot about interviews in uh, past episodes of the show, so I'll put links to those in the show notes. Yeah. So you can go and listen to them if you're interested in, in that specifically. And I guess the last thing... I'd say um, is uh, kind of an overall comment on like what being a manager is like. Basically, what I'd say is when you're a designer, like individual contributor, the main tool that you use is is probably going to be Sketch or Photoshop or like, could even be Framer, right? So as a manager, you don't really have a piece of software that you use as your main tool. 
what you do have um, is the ability to give feedback. Um, and feedback is a really difficult tool to master. Um, I'm still kind of working on getting better at that. Um, but um, it's, it's important that you work on these skills um, and it, it's harder because you can't just like Google for a tutorial for how to do something. Um, <laughs> so it <laughs> does require a lot of reading uh, and a lot of just experience because um, you'll never know how like something like one experience is like before you actually do it. Like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a harder problem to solve and that's something something that is very interesting to me that it's kind of this almost unsolvable problem (laughs) um and i really like that but also like seeing the impact that you can have on people's lives is really like super fun um so i like would totally encourage people to uh, give it a shot. Like if you have that opportunity, give it a try for a bit, see how you like that. Cause I think that a lot more people would be interested, uh, in it that, that they like really think, um, like Mm -hmm. I think you'd probably be a very good manager. So it's, it's really up to, up to you to try it. And you won't know if you like that, uh, uh, if you don't try it. Um, so yeah. That, that was basically it. I think we've probably covered it. That was cool. Everything. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your uh, story, Kevin. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> for our next caller we have in line. No, that's it. Uh, dude, thanks. I Like like I mentioned last episode, like I've been thinking about this. And right now, in my current situation, it's not a choice. Like I can do some managing. Managing? Is that a word? Oh, my God. I'm so tired. <laughs> Uh, I can do some managing, but I would also have to push pixels uh, either way. So it's not, it's a tricky situation. But the thing is, at this point, I can either hire someone to push the pixels or hire someone to manage me. And that, that is also the thing that I feel like some people might, um, might consider or might feel. And I, I think that is the real uh, hard and tricky part which is for some reason uh, I feel like people still feel that if someone is managing me, he's he or she is my superior, right? It's like it's above me in the food chain or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's unfortunate. And that is, and that is, yeah. Like we talked and we came to the conclusion that is not a thing. It might like, you may feel it in some uh, companies, unfortunately may, um, may behave that way, but that's not the case. And right now, like I said, I can either hire um, someone to push pixels or someone to manage me. And I could say hire someone below or above me, but I stopped. I don't, I don't want to say that. But So it's a weird thing where we have to put your ego aside and really think things through, like what is best for the project, for the company, and even for yourself. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, and it is a very tricky situation in where like, yeah, like your ego gets in a way and ego is never good. I feel like in any situation, Yep. but it's tricky. Yeah. And you also don't have to become a manager 
if you don't want to. Like some people don't want mm-hmm. to and like they they wouldn't they would hate themselves if they were a manager and that's also fine to like never go into into it. But I do think that the world or like the <laughs> the startup world uh would be better if we had more designers in like more like leadership roles because I have been managed in the past with by people that like don't even like care about design and that's a very shitty situation to be in I think it's cool that now it's more of an acceptable thing for a designer to be in a leadership or like lead position and I guess uh, like my final decision is I don't want to be manager yet and here's why I think that is because as you said like you should try it and uh, you say like I, you think I would make for a good manager maybe but here's the thing I don't feel like I ever had it's not even a good manager it's like a real manager like a design manager I never had that right so in order for me to start being that person that would be really hard because I never learned how to be that person I don't even know what that person is yeah right? that's and that sums up yeah you really well put the, the finger at. on something that is r- really true it's the fact that like you're like already pretty good at, at like design, right? Like obviously very talented, but it, when you make the switch to being a lead, it's like you're, you start off at the bottom, like, you know, nothing. And you really do need those mentors and those people to help you out. Um, yeah. so having that in place is super important. Um, and like, I yeah. kind of had like, a while ago, a few years ago, an experience where I was sort of kind of managing someone, but I didn't have that that sort of mentorship for myself. And hmm. it wasn't that great of an experience for like either of us. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do think that having someone, even if it's not necessarily someone who's working with you, but someone who can like serve as your mentor, it's it's really important to have that. Because even though you're a lead, you also need to have your one-on-ones with with someone and talk about your growth and talk about like stuff that's happening. Like that stuff is still important for you to to have. So yeah, it's it's always important to have someone you can look up to and and use as a sounding board for for ideas, even as a manager. That's it. Cool. All right, uh, and that I th- I think we summed up pretty well. Like what. Senior manager in is in involves still. Um, I think we, we came to a conclusion here. All Satisfying right. end. <laughs> recommendations. Okay, before we go, recommendations. Do recommendation Classic. I do have a recommendation this week. Do you? Yeah, I have two. I so followed your playbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear it. What do you recommend our listeners this week? Okay, uh, so those are two fi- two movies that I watched this week. The Ooh. first one, uh, it's called Sound of My Voice. It's by um, Britt Marling, who uh, makes the OA. And it's very... Oh, was that the uh, Rec Diff's recommendation? Uh, yeah. So you see yes. Okay. So I watched it partly because of that. They're going to talk about it in Reconcilable Differences. But if you really like DOA like I did, I highly mm-hmm. recommend this movie. Uh, it's from 2011, but it's it's honestly like basically the same story as DOA, 
but with like slightly different characters. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. Like I'm, I'm really fascinated by Brit Marling. It just seems like she is a cult leader, like just as a person, like all mm-hmm. of her roles are are of a cult leader. Like she's she's just it's just her. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> it seems like she's doing she's acting as herself in all these movies. And I know that's not true, um, but it kind of feels that way. And it's it's still very good, even though you can see like parallels uh, with the OA, like they have. Uh, in in the sound of my voice, or sorry, sound of my voice, uh, they have a um, secret handshake <laughs> that is very <laughs> similar to like the choreography that they have uh, in the OA. But anyways, it's good. I liked it. So if you're looking for more like m- movies or TV shows that are similar to uh, the OA, that is one uh, to check out for sure. Okay, I have two questions on this. All right, go ahead. Shoot. First, is it on iTunes or Netflix? It's on iTunes, but not on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was like 15 second, bucks for me. Second, if you liked the away but hated the ending, are you going to enjoy this movie? Mm, probably not. Okay. <laughs> I have a very, very... Um, complicated relationship with the OA. I can't recommend that show. What? How? Yeah. Why? It's like I loved the 90% of that show and then I hated it the last 10%. So it's what's, like What's wrong with the ending? I don't I can't put my finger on it. It wasn't satisfying. It's like it's like really? a, a triple twist. It's like I don't know, dude. We have to talk about. I don't want to spoil it here. Huh. Uh, maybe we should do it a separate discussion on that. Yeah, this is very interesting because you're not the first person that I hear say that. But I really like the ending. Like I, I loved all of it. It was really good. So I don't know. That is a mystery to me. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> my second recommendation is uh, this other movie that I saw this week. It's called Nocturnal Animals. Have you seen this? I haven't. Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, It's with uh, Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal. It's this kind of psychological thriller. um, Okay. And it features this, like, wealthy art gallery owner. um, And during the beginning of the movie, she receives... A novel uh, written by her ex-husband, um, and she sort of sort of reads the novel, and you see see it as it's happening. Um, and there's kind of like things that happen from there, um, but it's <laughs> it's really good, and it's it's directed by Tom Ford, and it's kind of kind of artsy in some ways, like it's it's not super obvious, like. If you like endings to be like very like clear cut, you're probably not gonna like this either. But um, the this is like one of these movies where like you kind of think at the end you're like, what? And then mm. it takes you like a few hours and like rewatching the movie again really helps. 
because uh, then like okay. you figure out a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't realize the first time around. It's really smart, really well done, and the opening scene is just something. Uh, <laughs> I won't tell you what it is, but it is something. Uh, so there you go. Those are okay. my two recommendations. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actually, I I take it back. I have seen a trailer for this uh, so on iTunes. Um, it looked promising. I think it's on my list. You know the Apple TV my list thing? It's there. No. I've been looking at that poster. What do you mean, no? Apple TV my list? What's that? Do you have an Apple TV? Yeah. Like the new TV app? Oh, no, I don't have that. It's not available in Canada. Oh, right. Well, it's not available in Portugal either, but, you know. Huh. There are ways. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Tell me what your recommendation is. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take my uh, official title of the gamer of the show, uh-huh. and I'm going to recommend a video game. So... um if you have been uh, enjoying all the hype on the Nintendo Switch and a new Zelda game, uh, but you don't have or care for uh, Nintendo, <laughs> that's probably not fair. But if you don't have a Nintendo Switch and you're not playing Zelda and you want to be um, playing a good video game as well, there's this game for the PlayStation 4, and it's called Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's freaking amazing. I mean, if you know me, this is the very obvious recommendation. I've been playing nonstop this game this weekend. Hmm. And it's pretty cool. I mean, so just a recap. It's like it's made by a gorilla something. It's the studio that used to make, uh, make Killzone, the, the franchise. Anyway, this has nothing to do with Killzone. This is like, it looks like Skyrim, uh, The Witcher, uh, Tomb Raider and stuff. <laughs> Okay. It's like an RPG, open world RPG, and the story so far, the plot and the lore of that game has been pretty amazing. So, hmm. so for you, Kevin, non-gamer, I'm not gonna talk. I'm just gonna talk about the plot and see how cool is this. So the game takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, mm-hmm. I guess, um, in where like humans they've been basically pushed back to this primordial uh, like it's not really Stone Age, but like you hunt, you have tribes and you hunt with bow and arrow and spears, right? So we've been, society has been pushed back by a couple centuries. So um, basically after uh, eight uh, years of Trump, this is what society <laughs> probably, like. <laughs> probably. All right. Um, but so hey, instead of animals, <laughs> yeah, instead of like dinosaurs, they're like machines. Oh, okay. So they are robots. Okay. Um, so this is, there was like this, uh, war of where the machines took over and basically you don't really know what happened to society, to earth, but now you have dinosaurs, uh, <laughs> there are machines and you don't really know what's going on. And like, I haven't finished the game yet. And so where I'm at, I still don't know exactly what happened. I know some, and I don't want to spoil it, mm. but he, here's just the thing that I want to talk. I, th- I think it's interesting for the show, which is. Um, so there are these people, they really don't know what happened like to society. So our time, present time. Right. So they don't know. So that's like ancient, ancient history and some, there are some artifacts and stuff buried and stuff like, but you don't know what happened. So mm. they're like, it's like humanity starting from 
all over again, right? Yeah. And here's the interesting part. Like you see, you are looking at this story from a perspective of like, you know about the past, but the characters in the game, they don't know. Mm. And so like, there's this one tribe in where um, they found a way to make the animals slash machines docile. And I think, oh, it's because, you know, machines, they're not just like black and white. You have to understand them. They have the spirit and all. And you as a player, you know, uh, that that's not true. Like machines, they don't have a soul or something. They're machines, they're robots. Mm -hmm. They've been programmed. But you also understand why they would think that because they don't know any better. They don't know that you can program a machine. For them, machines are just like animals. Right. Um, this is getting long. Anyway, it's it's an, it's an interesting take on like religion and basically these beliefs hmm. that me looking at this game is like I know exactly that how wrong you are for believing in this, <laughs> but I right. also understand why would you believe it mm. because you don't have any more information, right? Yeah. So like our religion is like <laughs> This is controversial, maybe, but it's like, think of uh, God, uh, just touching on the light subjects. Uh, God is like, uh, imagine someone who knows all the answers of the universe and they look at us and saying, you really believe that is God? But like, I know that that doesn't believe, but I also understand why would you believe? Because you don't have science in, in uh, like all the data. Right. So you just are filling it in with these ideas. Anyway, this was long. Hmm. The game is amazing. Go buy it. I gotta say, the graphics look quite nice. Yeah, looks looks pretty pretty neat. You know a game is uh, good visually when they add a photo mode <laughs> into the oh, game? Oh, <laughs> nice. Like um, Firewatch? And like I'm Firewatch, yeah. a lot of other games. But <laughs> yeah, it's not... No, it's not that often. I can... Only think of uh, I know Firewatch, I know Uncharted. Um, huh. Can't think of any else. I don't know. Anyway, it's a pretty neat. Game. I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you not have a Nintendo Switch yet? Well, one, uh, I'm trying to like I'm on a budget here. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, this particular month, like I'm going on vacation at the end of this month. Uh, actually, you have to talk about a schedule. Anyway, uh, so like I'm trying to save some bucks. Second, uh, I just bought this new game, so I'm like, I'm playing it. I'm busy. <laughs> like if right. I bought Nintendo Switch, I can play both. Hmm. And third, here's the thing. Uh, I don't think I've ever admitted this. I never played a Zelda game in my life. What? Yeah, and I I'm not a. How do you call Nintendo yourself a, a gamer? I I don't know. Hey, well, I'm, you. I think I'm more of a gamer than you are because I've played yeah. Zelda like multiple Ooh. times. Tables have turned. Yeah, I mean, how, <laughs> how could us. you not? Like that's just part of just culture. Well, maybe so uh, here in my country. <laughs> No, I'm not going to blame it in my country. Uh, I don't know, dude. Like I, So when I started, my first uh, console was the Sega Genesis. Uh-huh. So already was, at the time, was Nintendo versus Sega. And for some right. reason, well, someone decided for me because they bought me a console. <laughs> uh, I was on the Sega side. And no. I, it's okay. I, I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff. Right. Uh, anyway, 
And then I had a ge- Game Gear. The only Nintendo system that I ever owned was a Game Boy, hmm. Game Boy Color. And that's where I played all the Pokemon. So Pokemon was hmm. that. It was like Game Boy. And I never played a Zelda Game Boy because I was so busy playing Pokemon. Anyway, and then um, and then uh, Nintendo 64 was awesome. But at the time, like a little later on, I bought a PlayStation. And I've been a PlayStation guy since ever since. Like I've been through all the PlayStations. Well, I'm just going to throw uh, so that out know. there, but I think you should get a Switch and <laughs> play Zelda for the first time. I know, right? I know, well, I'm, I'm still feeding into your uh, gadget addiction. I know, dude. It's been... <laughs> Let me just say that uh, it w- it's not easy. Like, I- I've thought about it. I am thinking about it, but... Watch out. Next episode probably. of Layout, Rafa has to <laughs> Actually, I, I hear that they're pretty hard to get, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They're yeah. they're almost like a, a new iPhone coming out. Like people have been lining mm-hmm. up and stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Here's here's what I have to say about Nintendo, though. With my well brief experience, um, so I I bought a um, 2ds. We talk about it on the show to play the, the latest mm-hmm. Pokemon. Nintendo sucks at software. <laughs> like it really, yep. it really sucks. Some, it's like they they are so good at making video games, <laughs> like gameplay and story. Like their gameplay is legendary. Like if you ever played Mario Kart, you know. Like yes, oh their games gosh. like are generally like fun to play. So props to them; they're awesome. But when it comes to software, it's ridiculous. Like the Nintendo DS, like trying to add a friend <laughs> to play with, like online, is the worst experience I've ever had. I did it, and I don't know how. That's how complicated it is. <laughs> and apparently, like, uh, I just saw a tweet today. Apparently, uh, with a Switch, you can't save or, like, uh, not save. You can't, like, move uh, save data. So, basically, if yeah. you uh, break your Switch or it is stolen or something, there's no way for you to get back all the save data. So, all the game progress and all the settings and stuff, like, it's lost. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling that it's someone at Nintendo, like the same way that for Super Mario Run, they require constant internet access. They're kind of scared that if you could like offload your your sort of save progress to like a, I don't know, a flash drive or whatever, that people would like then start selling those and sort of advance progress without actually having done the work or something. But then what's the... What? I know What's wrong it doesn't with that? make any like, sense, but I can totally see like the Nintendo sort of philosophy of well, you like we don't want to make it possible for people to advance levels without actually having gone through them. Um, well, that's easy to do. It's like the save data is linked to a Nintendo account. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, that boom. that'd be totally fine. I remember uh, on the PlayStation. Two, three, I don't remember some in where you could, you know, uh, or maybe it was the PSP. Anyway, one of those uh, in where you could, I could like download from the internet, like download, save data. And like, so basically load a game from someone else in where it had like all of the weapons, all of the unlockables, everything is like, it was awesome. 
But yeah, and uh, I, since then that's been like closed down. You can't one do thing that, that was kind least. of shocking to me is they sort of have these SD card looking things, right? That and that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. how you get games. This is crazy. Well, no, you can download it from the from the internet. Okay, you have both options. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was. But, I don't know. It was super weird to me to see people like inserting SD cards into their <laughs> Nintendo Switch. I was like, gosh. I know. I mean, that's uh, that. Like, we are on the line, like, um, of just ditching any kind of physical media. Like, I have been just downloading all of my games since, like, I don't know, midlife of PS3, right? Something sounds like fair. Uh, sounds right. So, like, uh, but. You still buy, you can still buy digi- uh, physical copies. Yeah. And some people prefer it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. Just the fact that I can break <laughs> or like lose a game, uh, that's that's bananas. Anyway. Yeah, if you have a reasonably <laughs> fast internet, like it's just going to be a better experience to download it. You don't have to move from your house and it's always going to be there. And you don't hear the CD spinning if it's a CD. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's true. I Mm -hmm. forgot about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess you don't have that with the SD, but... Yeah. SD card, but... Yeah. Yeah. I have seen the UI, though, on the Switch, uh, just in screenshots and stuff, but it did look, Mm -hmm. like, remarkably tasteful for a Nintendo UI. So, who knows? Maybe they've actually gotten better at this stuff. I'm going to try to to play with one. You know, since they're so portable, I don't have to go okay. at someone. Have you heard you know, this, listeners? House. This is the first step. <laughs> Rafa is like, no, no, okay. I'm just going to play with one. <laughs> totally well, not going to buy Well, like, there, there are no games, apparently, like at lunch. It's just... So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll... Hey, uh, Bryn, if you're listening, uh, I'll, I'll play with yours if you're... I'm go- by the way, spoilers, I'm going to be in San Francisco in April. Hey. Oh. Yeah, I don't know exact dates, but I'll, it'll be April. Cool. So, cool. You guys can find the show notes at layout.fm slash nothing. I don't remember. Is it episodes, episodes or just... Uh, 40 49. And find all of the show notes for the Switch and stuff that we just talked about or our recommendations. Yeah. Um... And you can still uh, just get it while it's hot because it's not going to be the case for too long, but you can still join our Slack team. You can go to spec.fm slash Slack. Request an invite, get an invite, get in, get on our layout uh, channel there. And you can talk to us directly in all our our listeners and we talk about topics or uh, whatever we want to talk about. And uh, if you want to listen to more podcasts, you can go to spec.fm. They have a lot of great shows that you can listen to. Our thanks to Guilherme Silva for editing this show. And our thanks to UX Spin for sponsoring us this week. Talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.